Welcome, Pewter Report readers and listeners, to a brand new episode of the Pewter Nation podcast. Mark Cook is out and Taylor Jenkins is out, so I am your designated host, Matt Matera, and joined with me is the VP of Pewter Report, Mr. Scott Reynolds. Hello, hello. And the draft expert, the man who has been crushing it since he's come to Pewter Report, it is John Ledyard. Very kind of you to say, Matt. Thank you for that warm introduction. You're very welcome. I don't know about you guys, but I'm pumped up. Football is back. There's a game tonight. We're recording this on Thursday. The Bucks are back in action on Sunday. There's a lot to get to. It's Bucks Saints. It's the top two teams in the NFC South. And this is everything that we wanted to. It seems like it's been forever since we've seen football with everything going on in the pandemic. But now here we are. So guys, I'll leave the floor open. Where do we even start from here? There's so much to get into. These quarterbacks, right? Do we start with these yeah. quarterbacks? I mean, this yeah, is... Yeah, we have to, John. What a fun matchup, you know what I mean? And, and late in their careers, both still playing at such a high level and have teams that are this loaded. And it's, I mean, you don't get this in a division very often with quarterbacks, and you've never had it with Brady in a division with quarterback. And so I think it's pretty special. We, we even saw in... And I say we saw because it was was the Zoom conference call with Bruce Arians, but this is the quarterback whisperer, right? He's a, mm-hmm. a quarterback uh, dating back to his days in high school at Virginia Tech, uh, where he actually rushed for more touchdowns than Michael Vick, believe it or not. Um, That's an unbelievable stat, by the way. I don't even cut you yeah. off. That's just an <laughs> unbelievable stat. <laughs> yeah, it is. And, and Bruce Arians was giddy when asked about this matchup. And if he wasn't coaching in the game, he would be with drinks in hand, making this an appointment on Sunday, watching Breeze and Brady go at it. You're talking about the number one and number two overall passers and and also at not just in passing yards, but also touchdowns too. Right now, Breeze has the edge. Uh, but I'll tell you, this the fun part about this is this is not just a one-off, right? This is this is the first of two matchups that you're going to see. Maybe more. Maybe <laughs> more, yeah, right? I was getting ready to say, and maybe a third. Because uh, I do think this year, uh, and we've come out with our predictions, I think everybody has the Bucs winning the silver medal in the NFC South behind the division champion Saints. And uh, and I've I've been on numerous radio shows this summer and leading up to the season. And people have asked me, are the Bucs going to dethrone the Saints? And and I I haven't said it's not going to happen, but I don't don't think it's going to happen because in order to – to be the man, you got to beat the man. And I think that when you look at the Saints, they're 13-3 and three over the last two years for a reason. They're a really good team that have been together. And they're a complete team, offense, defense, special teams. And, and I think the Bucs can make some inroads and maybe win one of those games, although I don't predict that in, in my game-by-game predictions. But I'm not saying it can't happen. I, I think if – if the Buccaneers are going to do anything uh, outside of getting swept by the Saints, I think they split. I don't think they can sweep the Saints, not this year, but I think this is a building year to next year. And I think that the NFC South, uh, that the Saints NFC South supremacy ends this year. They'll win it, but I think the Buccaneers might have the ultimate say in the playoffs because I think both teams are going to be in. Let me ask you guys this. When you look at this game and in, in the matchup between the Saints and the Bucs, when the Saints have the ball – where do you feel like the Bucks defense is most vulnerable right now, given who the Saints have in that lineup? And even if they don't, they, they may be without Cesar Ruiz, their rookie, uh, who didn't practice on Wednesday. And so there's, 
maybe a little bit more question mark on the offensive line than they normally have on a very comprehensive unit over the last few years. Uh, but where do you see kind of the weakness being or, or, or for the box defense, that is? Like, where do you see them being most vulnerable right now? Matt, I'll start here and I'll let you um, uh, throw your, your two cents in as well. It's funny because I'm starting a new thing in the Fab Five. Every Fab Four section of my weekly column, I delve into four matchups to watch. And this is a matchup I didn't even really put in there because uh, I try to make it mano a mano, right? Like we all know Tristan Wirfs is going to have his hands full with Cam Jordan for the entire game. So that's one of my matchups to watch. But the one I kind of save for this podcast, because I'm not exactly sure how they're going to match up, is Jared Cook, the tight end. I think that, the, that historically tight ends, whether it be Greg Olson um, or uh, – you know, uh, Kittle, uh, uh, Zach Ertz, they, they've given the Buccaneers some problems over the years. And, and I'm not sure if the Buccaneers have the tight end coverage situation figured out, especially with some young faces in the secondary, meaning Antoine Winfield. And are they going to match up a linebacker? Are they going to, uh, if, if Cook is flexed out of the slot, is that going to be Sean Murphy Bunting's guy? Uh, are they going to bring a safety down in the box? Is it going to be Winfield or, or Edwards or Whitehead or Adams? How are they going to to match up with Cook? And, and, and Cook proved to be a very good weapon for Drew Brees last year. I think we know that Carlton Davis is probably going to see action against Michael Thomas uh, last year. They decided to match up Vernon Hargraves in week one, or I should say in the first matchup. That didn't turn out real well for Tampa Bay. Uh, I think Carlton fared pretty well against uh, Thomas later on in the season. So it'll be interesting. But I think, I think that's the biggest concern. Did they put a linebacker, a safety, a nickel corner on Jared Cook? He's the guy that, especially in the red zone, concerns me because we know that Michael Thomas is a weapon. Emmanuel Sanders is, is that vertical threat uh, that, that I think is going to replace Ted Ginn Jr. We know Kamara out of the backfield. But Cook is a guy that, that I think is – it's going to be a focal point on Sunday for Drew Brees. Matt? Yeah, before Matt even jumps in, just to mention real quick, but yeah, Jared Cook, I mean, last year I thought Jordan Whitehead tried to match up with him, and it, it was there were some wins, especially in the second game, uh, but the first game was pretty rough for Jordan Whitehead, one of his worst games of the year. And uh, even the second game had its ups and downs, and so that is going to be one of the matchups. And you would assume, since they've talked about Whitehead being a safety that plays closer to the line of scrimmage and, with Winfield starting that that would be Whitehead again, probably uh, most of the time. And so, yeah, definitely a matchup to watch. So the, the short answer would be that the secondary is the most vulnerable on the defense, but they're the most vulnerable because in my opinion, the defensive line is going to be negated by Drew Brees, just, you know, being an assassin, getting the ball out quick and things like that. Last season in two games against the saints, the bucks had one sack on the new Orleans saints they had no sacks against Teddy Bridgewater when he was the starting quarterback. They had one on, on Drew Brees, and it was Mike Edwards who got the sack. So they either blitzed him or I would have well, to look at Actually, you know again. what? You know what? Think, Drew, Brees, Drew Brees wasn't even sacked. He sacked Taysom Hill. That's it what was it Taysom was. Hill? Okay, yes, so, they, Hill. so they did not yep. sack Drew, uh, Drew Brees or Teddy Bridgewater last season. So Great point. I think it's going to be more or less of the same. We know how great this Bucks defensive line is with Shaq and JPP coming off the edge. But as far as week one goes, it's going to be really tough to get to Drew Brees. Therefore, 
it, the honus is going to be on the linebackers and the secondary. Maybe they'll try to blitz Devin White and Levante David, and we talked about them attacking the quarterback more. But it's going to come down to the secondary. And then just to wrap it up, you look at the last three years, Drew Brees has taken advantage of the Bucs having a young, a young secondary. Two seasons ago, when Carlton Davis was making his debut, we all know the shootout game that the Bucs with Ryan Fitzpatrick beat the Saints in. The Saints still scored 40 points, so it wasn't like the defense did anything to win that game. Then you look at last season, Teddy Bridgewater and, Carl, and um, Drew Brees going up against rookies Jamel Dean and Sean Murphy Bunting. Yeah, they had right. their way with the secondary then again, too. Now you got Antoine Winfield Jr. up at safety, and I know we've all said a lot of great things about him. The coaches have given rave reviews about him. But at the end of the day, zero NFL experience. At the end of the day, he's still a rookie playing in his first game. So that's why it's easy to say the that the secondary is the most vulnerable. But that's why they're not going to get a lot of sacks. So the emphasis goes on them. Right, and I think even I said this on WDAE the other day that with Winfield, it's a very interesting situation because the Bucks play a lot as we've talked about. They play a lot of single high and they play a lot of man coverage. And if that continues against the Saints, which you'd assume it will. Um, there is going to be kind of Winfield deep and Whited closer to the line of scrimmage. And you have a Saints offense that at least last year hardly ever threw the ball down the field. They just didn't. And they were a great offense, and they just didn't do it. Uh, I think Drew Brees, Drew Brees is kind of like what people think Tom Brady is in terms of throwing the ball down the field. Like Drew Brees actually threw, was like 30th in the NFL last year, I think, in passes of 20 yards or more pass attempts, where right. Brady was 13th. So, I mean, like Brady's still like throwing it above average. And Brees is the one that doesn't – throw the ball on the field. Now, I don't think he's incapable of it. I just don't think it was necessarily how their offense ran. They didn't really have a number two wide receiver last year. And so there's a lot of components to look at. And with Manny Sanders, they will have a little bit more of a downfield threat at receiver. So there are a lot of different things to look at uh, in that context. But I think Winfield's biggest impact is going to come as a tackler in the open field and in closing down and run support. How are his angles? How does he finish in space? Yeah. Those things are going to be big because the Saints have a lot of guys who can make plays after the catch. Kamara, Thomas, Cook, like those guys can all make plays with the ball in their hands. And how he closes, given the, those angles are tough as a free safety, so how he closes and finishes in space might be a bigger deal than whether – I don't know that he's going to be tested a ton down the field, but those kind of other things matter for that position too. And that's a big reason why he's starting instead of Mike Edwards. Yeah, you know, I, I, can't, I can't wait until – Devin White, because I, I do think that he's going to have kind of a breakout season. I think we saw him really warm up and, and get hot towards the end of the year with those splash plays. And that's why you draft a guy fifth overall, not just to be a linebacker or an inside linebacker or the captain of your defense, but to make plays, right? To be a playmaker. And we've seen that from Levante David from the weak side linebacker position. Now he's playing that money backer, that inside linebacker in Todd Bowles' 3 4 defense. But Devin White is he's the play caller. He's the he is the quarterback of the defense. He's got the green dot. And of course, Levante during his rookie season was helping Devin out. But I can't wait to see Devin not just make strides as a playmaker in terms of getting more sacks, going from two and a half to five sacks and going from one interception to three and maybe getting a couple more scoop and scores. I think he's really capable of of being a splash play guy. And that's why they, they picked him so high. But more importantly, I can't wait until he can play chess with some of these upper echelon quarterbacks, the way like Luke Keekley could in mm-hmm. Carolina, where there's an audible from the offense, and all of a sudden you're seeing that's that, that check, that chess match going on between the quarterback 
and in the middle linebacker. And, and I think that that's really the sign of, of a truly great middle linebacker. And that's what I think made the Bucks defense so good back in the 90s with a, a player like Hardy Nickerson is, is just that experience to, to see it and call it and, 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 and counter whatever the offense wants to do. And, and I, I'm, I'm anxious to see Devin White grow in that area. We know he can cover uh, mm-hmm. the field sideline to sideline, and we, we've seen what he could do physically from an athletic standpoint, but that mental leap is what I want to see from him. Uh, I don't think he's going to be on the level of Drew Brees. I don't think he's going to get there because Drew Brees is going to retire probably after this year. But coming up, whether it's against Matt Ryan in years to come, or whether it's against Teddy Bridgewater, or whoever, if it's Jameis Winston in, <laughs> in, in New Orleans, right, for the future, whoever it is, I, I, I want to hit the fast-forward button on Devin White and, and really get to see him as, as a, a true quarterback of this defense where he can make those kind of, of, of decisive checks and get the Bucks defense into the right defense on, on a regular basis. Yeah, that's something yeah. that Todd Bowles and some of the other defensive coaches have, have talked about with, with the players on their defense, and specifically Devin White, where year one was learning, it was all about learning the, the scheme and the system itself. And then year two, to really make yourself a great player is to now learn what the offense is trying to do to you while you already know the scheme. We know Devin White is, is, a, is a great linebacker. Uh, Levante David is a great linebacker. It helps, too. They got a great insurance policy with Kevin Minter as a backup linebacker. And if you were going to get insurance here in Tampa Bay, Scott, where would you go to? Well, there's only one place that I would go to for for insurance, and that's our good friend over at at Briar Greaves Insurance. They're family-owned for three generations with 30 years serving the greater Tampa Bay area. They're an award-winning agency. Briar Greaves, trust choice, full service agency. Listen, they can sell you the personal and commercial insurance. They've got it all. Home, auto, boat, life, flood, and commercial insurance. So you need to give Briar Greaves a call at 813-876-4166. And the great thing about them is when you call Briar Greaves, you get to talk to Briar himself or Sam for that personalized touch. Storm season's here. We're still in the hurricane season, and it's a great time to review your policies. A lot of homeowners uh, companies are, are canceling, or they're not renewing their policies, leaving a lot of Florida and uh, with those increased premiums, and uh, you don't want that. You want to have uh, your policy reviewed by an expert in the business, and that's Briar Greaves. Give them a call at 813-876-4166, and we appreciate Briar Greaves for being a sponsor of the Pewter Nation podcast. Make sure to give Briar Reeves a call. Everyone needs insurance in today's times. Let's switch I on. I just wanted to say, I think yeah, Sean Murphy bunting, it's, it's important for Sean Murphy bunting to play. I mean, this is a tough team to defend. And like I said, if Carlton Davis, he may, he may stick with Michael Thomas outside. He may fall him inside even. There were times last year where Sean Murphy bunting was, was matched up with Michael Thomas inside, and it did not go well that well yeah. for Sean Murphy bunting. And, and that's a tough match. I mean, you're talking about probably one of the tougher matchups in the league, but – I think if there is a if there is hope with Michael Thomas, not that he isn't he is physical, but I think that's what you almost have to do because he's such a smooth mover and such a good route runner. You have to disrupt him a little bit, and Murphy Bunting's bulked up, and he is an aggressive football player. You know, I think so. I like him still. I think this whole season is huge for him. I thought last year was 
up and down. And he was kind of in position a lot and didn't make many plays on the ball and kind of the opposite of Jamel Dean in that way. And, and so I, I really think it's a big year for him. They need him to play really well. Um, and I think that, that this matchup this week is going to be a, a big one for him. I think you're spot on, John. You're, you're absolutely spot on for this reason. If you go back to that game last year, that was really kind of a watershed moment for the secondary because they got called out big time by Bruce Arians in, in the, the post-game press conference. He didn't mention Vernon Hargraves or Sean Murphy Bunting or Mike mm-hmm. Edwards by name, but those guys, those three I mentioned, missed tackles. They, they allowed yards after catch. Their coverage wasn't tight. And, and it's interesting because that was the game where Sean Murphy Bunting actually got his first interception. He was guarding Alvin Kamara in New Orleans in the slot and kind of made an aggressive play and, and got a pick off Teddy Bridgewater. So this is, going, this is Sean Murphy Bunting going back to a place where he had a, a bright moment, but also a very terrible game overall. And, and I think we saw from, from that moment on a little bit tighter coverage and that's, that's really kind of where the climb for the, for the Bucks secondary began. They still had, had some, some hard, rough moments, and they took some lumps in other games. Uh, and then, you, you know, we all know what happened in, the, in that rematch. New Orleans kind of came down to Tampa and took care of business. And the secondary, again, didn't play that well. Carlton, Carlton Davis had a good game against the Saints. Sean Murphy bunting. Jamel Dean struggled uh, in, in that game. Actually, uh, Jamel Dean really didn't even get much of a of playing time. For whatever reason, they went with Mike Edwards as the nickel corner in that game. And yeah. Sean Murphy Bunting played mostly outside. But from, you know, from that last five, six weeks, the Jacksonville game, the Cardinals game, uh, the Colts, the Texans, the, mm-hmm. the Falcons game, the Lions game, Lions those game. are the games where the secondary really kind of started to, to gel and come together. So if they want to show some real improvement, Mm-hmm. And put last year behind them. What a better place and what a better time than, than, than in New Orleans on Sunday against Drew Brees to prove that, that they can really match up and stack up against Brees and Michael Thomas and Emmanuel Sanders and, and the weapons that the Saints have. So very good point, John. It, it's no question the secondary is going to have their hands full with Michael Thomas, who is one of the best receivers in the game. There's been some arguing points on how good he is and how elite he is. <laughs> The Bucks. Have what are you their talking about, Matt? Hold on, let's, let's stop right there. What are you talking about, Scott? You have some pretty strong opinions about Michael Thomas and John. I'm yeah. sure you do as well. Yeah. Who I, doesn't I, have I, an opinion? Are you the only one that doesn't have an opinion, Matt? Or did you have an opinion? Because t- was Taylor and Mark were with, or Taylor and Mark with me? Or no, Taylor? No, Taylor's with Scott. We talk yeah. a lot of things. Michael chat, Thomas. Man, there's a Thomas. lot of different topics that go on. Michael Thomas yeah. is good, but not great. I think he's. You, think, the ball. you said he's not a top ten receiver, right? I think he's number ten on the list. Number ten. I think, I think he's number ten. And Taylor so, had him higher than you, I think. Probably. But he he yeah. also didn't think he was like a t- in the conversation for number one or like a top three guy or something. Like uh, that. Yeah, he's not. He's not, in my opinion. I, I think that that he is. He is a pedestrian possession receiver who gets fed the ball a lot and uses his. He uses his body very well to get open. What I mean by that is he boxes out. He presents himself as a target well. Um, he creates enough separation with his, you know, with his turns, with, with, with his, his hips to um, – and, and he's got an accurate quarterback throwing him the ball in Drew Brees. So he catches the passes that are thrown to him, no doubt about it. But I don't think that he has special quality. And I think he's better than Keyshawn Johnson was, but he reminds me of a Keyshawn Johnson type of receiver. 
And you, if, just, if Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, and Michael Thomas are all the same age, they might, they're close to the same. They're all the same age. They're all in their prime. They're all healthy. Yeah. Who, you, you would take Michael Thomas last out of those three, right? Yes, I would. Yes, I'd take Mike Evans first, Chris Godwin second, and Michael Thomas third. And I'm not saying yeah. he's bad. He's good. He's in the top 10, but he's, he's just not elite. elite. He's, yeah, I think he's fringe elite. I think, I think he's, he's I think he's ball. elite, but I also see your argument for the other two. I mean, we're talking about three great receivers. Yeah, I'd yeah. take him. I, see, the, the thing about Mike Evans and Michael Thomas is they could not be more different in the way that they're deployed. I mean, Mike exactly. Evans catches everything. Like, almost all his production is beyond 10 yards. That's nuts. But he doesn't right. do anything in the short game, really, at all. And right. Michael Thomas is, like, automatic in there. I mean, first downs, clutch catches – catch the ball outside his frame, adjust yeah. to it, you know, and when they've thrown to him vertically, the success rate is tremendous. They yeah. just don't do it very often. And so I wonder if he comes out this year and like all of a sudden they start throwing him and he has more big plays down the field. If people w- would jump and put him as the unanimous kind of number one in the league, that, he's not my number might, one, but that might sway my three. opinion. You know, yeah. it might, uh, but, but based on what I've seen, I think he's very good. I think he's top 10, but I think he's probably around number 10. And I think there's other guys, Mike Evans, Tariq Hill, DeAndre Hopkins. I mean, I had a list. Remember, we yeah, did the, the right. yeah, text and we had the list, and I listed mm-hmm. my guys, and I don't remember who the other yeah. ones are. Um, you know, Julio Jones is, is up ahead of him. So, I mean, there's he's in very good company. I just I think that he has force-fed the ball so many times with his targets. And he, and he does a great yeah. job of catching the passes thrown his way because he's got a an incredibly accurate quarterback that makes it easy on him. But I, I just think that he is, um, he's, he's very good. And, and I think that if, if and I, th- I want to say Taylor, maybe it was you, Matt, when we were talking about this, he got so much of his damn production last year from two games from the Buccaneers that if you carve those <laughs> games out, the Bucks are always they, the outlier, aren't they? <laughs> well, they're not, they're not just the outlier. They're the ally. They're the ally of Michael Thomas because he has used and abused this young secondary, and it needs to stop. And I think it's yeah. going to stop on Sunday. No, I agree. I, I think uh, the, the fact that he gets such a volume of receptions, it really kind of skews the numbers a lot. Uh, with the argument of all three, the issue with Chris Godwin is that last season was his breakout year. So I think he needs to kind of – he needs to do it again and kind of show that he can be consistent with sure. his productivity before you can really put him in that in that upper echelon. But if he has another season like he did last year, I mean, he's right in the conversation. But what yeah. I was originally trying to transition to before we went off on this tangent, but I'm glad we did because it's a very – it's a very heated conversation. And he had 100 yards receiving in almost every game last year. <laughs> there, was, there was only one game where he didn't reach 85 yards receiving. Two games. But, but how many targets did he have? He was force-fed the ball. He also caught like 81% of his targets. With teams, only, was teams scheming to stop him because they don't have another wide receiver? Or they didn't last year. Well, I know. I, I, don't just, know. I think he's... I, I know that vertical passing game thing is a thing, but I just think that he is an unbelievable ability to get open and finish. Stop Michael Thomas, Buccaneers, secondary. This is the key. Stop them. Stop this them. This is the key. Oh, That'll be one of the, uh, year, huh? the bullet points when I yeah. tweet about the topics on the, yeah. today's podcast. But the Bucs have some great wide receivers of their own in Mike Evans and Chris Godwin. However, there's some uncertainty about whether or not Mike Evans will be playing on Sunday. He's missed the last two practices with the hamstring injury, and Bruce Arians said that they'll see if he can practice on Friday. So it sounds like he's not going to practice today on Thursday. They'll see if he can practice on Friday, and if he can't, 
He'll be a game time decision for Sunday. All right. So here's, here's the real issue, right? Hamstrings and high ankle sprains are the two worst injuries you can have as a football player. You'd rather have an, an well, aside from like an, a season-ending ACL. Yeah, right? most nagging saying, injuries, yeah. Yeah, but, uh, but the thing is, you'd rather have a, like a, a, an, an MCL injury where you're going to be out probably two to four weeks, but then it's going to heal and it's not going to be a problem again. A hamstring and a high ankle sprain, those are injuries, as we saw, especially with Scotty, Mil- Scotty Miller last year, can haunt you. They can come back at any moment. Just when you think you got it licked, boom, there it is. And, and I tore my hamstring a couple years ago, and I'm not an athlete. And when I go running and stuff, too, I, it, like, it, it's, it's come back on me, and, and it's not fun. And, again, I'm not a professional athlete. So, but I think this is a real concern. Mike, Mike Evans has had some, an, some hamstring injuries before. It ended the season last year. He's dealt with it before. He actually missed the Saints uh, game. I think it was the season opener three years ago because of a hamstring injury he suffered in training camp. So I would not be shocked at all that if he doesn't practice on Thursday and Friday, that they hold him out because you want to make sure you get this right and, and you don't want to put him out there and all of a sudden he really pulls it or tears it in the second quarter and then he's out for several weeks. I, I, would, I would almost rather in game one, even though it's the Saints, this is a really big game, just go out there with 12 personnel, 13 personnel. Use your tight ends. Use Gronk. Use OJ. Use Brait. And use Godwin and Scotty Miller. And I think, I, th- I think you have enough weaponry without Mike Evans that you can still put up a, a ton of points and put yourself in position to win. Scotty Miller's a huge X factor if that's the case. I mean, I obviously hope Evans plays and we'll see. I mean, you bring up good points about hamstrings and it's something to monitor for sure. But Man, if he doesn't play, Scotty Miller's just a huge, huge X factor in this game, I think, and, and could make you because I mean the Saints, you know, they have Marshawn Lattimore, who's a good player, but I am so curious to see if Mike Evans doesn't play, what do they do with him? Is he gonna play in the slot the whole game against uh Chris Lattimore? Godwin? Is that is that how the, yeah, Lattimore is that No, I, I don't think so. And see that's the thing. one of my matchups is is Janoris Jenkins, because I think because of Jenkins' size, they move him inside to the slot and cover Chris Godwin. And, and I think they would leave Marshawn Lattimore on the outside where he's a, a better coverage guy. And, and you put him up against Scotty Miller. And that's going to be interesting, right? Because Lattimore has the size and the physicality. Um, but does he have the absolute jets to hang with a guy like Scotty Miller? You know, that's going to be a very interesting matchup. If it's not Mike Evans, Marshawn Lattimore versus Scotty Miller. You would think the experience, the pedigree, the size favors Lattimore for sure. Mm-hmm. But – that burst and acceleration and speed, you know, might give Miller a bit of an edge. It's interesting too, because Janoris Jenkins has played very little in the slot throughout his career. It has not yeah. been where he said, so if he does get moved there, I mean, Lattimore is almost the same, the, the same situation though. Last year, 36 snaps in the slot, according to Pro Football Focus, that's yeah. less than Jenkins even played in the slot. So neither of these guys tend to move inside. And right. if they don't, P.J. Williams is toast against Chris Godwin. And sure. that's, again, what I said on the radio the other day, they're, that's where the Saints can't match up. Oh. If neither of these guys move inside, and they are not apt to moving inside. And even if they do, it's a different ball game inside. Yep. Two-way releases off the line of scrimmage, it's yep. just a different ball game, and it's, it's a little bit trickier. So Chris Godwin, I just think that could be the X factor in the game. 
Chris Godwin mastered the slot last year in Bruce Arians' offense. He played that Larry Fitzgerald role to a T. It right. got him the, the Pro Bowl nod and 1,000 yards. And the thing is, is Janoris Jenkins was a late pickup by the Saints after the Giants cut him. But he was in Tampa in the first month of the season. I was going to bring that up. Mike Evans destroyed. He torched. He torched yeah. Janoris yeah. Jenkins. Yeah. Janoris Jenkins, according to Pro Football Focus, gave up 188 passing yards <laughs> and three touchdowns. I but remember scouting the game. I was like, this is ridiculous. Like, yeah. yeah. Janoris so Chris is – Godwin, Chris Godwin would say, bring time. it on. Right, and 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 that that's be a good matchup. But here's my thought: is like I don't know what if they just play sides with Lattimore and if if Mike Evans is out, and they just play sides with Lattimore and Jenkins. I mean, you, if you have Scotty Miller against Janoris Jenkins, I I think that's where the Bucks could win too because yeah. he is that great speed and Jen, Jenkins can still run. But Jenkins he bites on he's been on double moves his whole career, and like he just does not he just tries to take so many chances. And Brady absolutely knows that, and he is yeah. going to go after him. And I think Scotty Miller is the worst kind of matchup for Janoris Jenkins because he can Scotty can accelerate in a second. Um, so I think, yeah, I just think there's matchups all over the place where the Bucks can win, even without Mike Evans. Tight end, I'm really curious to see how tight end goes for the Bucks. Not only see so the most snaps and all that kind of stuff, but also the Saints added kind of a tight end eraser and Malcolm Jenkins, who's had great success there. They also have Chauncey Gardner Johnson. They are probably the best team in the NFL to match up with a team with tight ends like the Bucks because John, they have two guys like that that can play inside. But John, who's the third guy? Because the Buccaneers, they can go 13 personnel and have <laughs> and have Gronkowski and Howard. I think Cameron Bray can get covered team. by just about anybody, to be honest. Uh, maybe I'm a Braid hater. I just I don't see a special athlete or. I think Braid's gonna get Braid's gonna get a touchdown on Sunday. I'm I telling you right it. now. He's yeah. crafty in the red zone. Scott, yeah. would you bet? Would you bet on that? I would if there was a prop bet, and and there might be. I'm gonna go to my bookie because I've already gone to my bookie this week and I've already placed my bets. And yes, I put some money down on the Bucks. I like the point spread. I think the Buccaneers. I'm not saying they're going to win. As a matter of fact, I have them losing, but. Um, you know, I like the odds in this game, and I've also laid down on some college football. I even laid down on on some some hockey last night, and I lost because I I, I didn't have the the right point spread. Right, it mm-hmm. was I think one and a half goals, and the Lightning won by a goal. But who cares? I lost my five dollars on my bookie if the Lightning won and have taken control of the Eastern Conference Finals. But whether it's hockey or NBA or NHL, uh, I already said NHL. Uh, NFL, college football, gosh, guys, we have all these sports going on at the same time, and it's fantastic for us to watch. Now you can get in the game at MyBookie. Winning season is returned at MyBookie. Winning season means doubling your first deposit. Winning season means insane props, epic bonuses, the craziest cross-sport wagers. At MyBookie, winning season means watching live sports and then betting live sports all season long. Rejoice, the NFL's returned tonight. That means action-packed Sundays and huge cash prizes are here. Get in on the action. Use promo code PEWTER and double your first deposit. New players get up to $1,000 in free play. Designed to add more excitement to the sports that you love and the games that you bet. Bet with the best this NFL season for your chance to win big. Use the promo code PEWTER and double your first deposit. Your winning season begins today only at my bookie. I can't and wait to hammer the over in tonight's game. 
Uh, I'm a big gambling guy, so I'm totally you know excited. You know What's what? I, I, I took the money line. I took the Texans and the money line tonight. Did you really? I did. Wow. I did. I mean, for, I what, for whatever that, reason. It's I, a 10 I mean, and a half point spread, so. Yeah, I, I didn't touch the spread. I took the money line because uh, I, I like to lay down. Listen, I, you know, I'm a dad. I'm, uh, I've got a wife and four kids. I don't have a lot of money to gamble <laughs> with. Um, I, I do $5 bets. I like to throw $5. It's the thrill of winning. It's knowing that you were right exactly. and someone else out there was wrong. That's, That's what right. it's all about. Depends yeah. how competitive so, you are, though, because if I put anything in and I lose, then I'm a, just going more like so. <laughs> well, but here's the thing, right? So put $5 on the money line for the Texans. And if the Texans just score the upset and they win, I, I've won $17.50. And I, that's good. I'm happy with that. So, you know what? Did all, you see uh, that Shaq did not know what betting, like he didn't know how to bet, not even an over under. The other day on on Shaq, Shaq O'Neal, oh Shaquille O'Neal, yeah Shaquille O'Neal on NBA, it was like a big. I was going viral. I didn't know if you guys saw it, but it was he he did not know. Like Charles Barkley was explaining to him how to bet over under, and Barkley loves Ernie was too. Yeah, yeah. Well, they were talking about, and he was like, "Huh, okay," and he was like, and so he was like asking a bunch of. It was just really funny, and I I I don't I don't bet at all. I don't gamble at all, and I. I know a little bit about it, but I always thought, yeah. like, man, I need to learn more about like some of these more intricate. But and then he didn't even know over under, and like I was, <laughs> I was laughing. It well, was really funny. Speaking of gambling, I'm gonna I'm gonna transition from our our my bookie promo back to football with this, right? So the Buccaneers are putting an unproven rookie out there at right tackle, right? We've got Tristan Wirfs matched up with Cam Jordan, 15 and a half sacks last year, and and five. Pro Bowl berths, uh, so he's got plenty of size at 287 pounds, plenty of experience, and, and I think that that when you look at Werfs, the interesting thing is, yes, he's had two very capable pass rushers to go against in practice, but a guy who's kind of like a like a a, a, a flexible Gumby type of of pass rusher in JPP, who's about 270 pounds. He's not that massive physical mauler uh, type that that Hayward is. So, uh, or I'm sorry, that the jo- uh, Cam Jordan is. So I, I don't think that. And I, I mentioned Hayward because it's like those big bodies, right? Whether it's Hayward, Jordan, um, Reggie White back in the day, those those massive uh, physical types of left ends. I don't think that Werfs has really been appropriately. Um, position to go up against that. I think probably the, the biggest guy that he's gone up against in practice is Will Golston, but Will Golston is just not a pass rusher, right? So uh, let's talk about Werfs and that matchup. And then on the other side, right, the Saints have got a similar situation. They're starting Cesar Ruiz, the rookie right guard. And how can the Buffs... If he's healthy. If he's healthy, yes. Let's talk about those, those two rookie matchups. If Ruiz plays and Werfs, uh, how can... How can the Bucks counter going up against Cam Jordan, and how can the Bucks take advantage of that right guard spot, John? Well, Cam Jordan in 18 games against the Bucks has 14 sacks, and he has four and a half sacks over the last three games against the Bucks. So, solving him really has not been something that the team has done very well in general. Um, so, I think that needs to. You just need to be. You need to have a plan. You just can't. I know Bruce Aaron said yesterday. You know. We're just we're leaving him out. You know he's got to block him. Simple as that. I know he'll tell us that, but I hope I hope he isn't. That isn't his philosophy for success because Cam Jordan's a beast and he is yeah. a physical, aggressive, 
nasty, edgy football player. And I don't care who you are, really. There's not many rookies that come out day one with that mentality, like that are that are that confident in their skill set in the trenches that they can match that kind of intensity and physicality. And so I, I'm not going to be worried if Tristan Wirfs gives up six sacks in this game, you know what I mean, about his future in the NFL. I just think it, it you can't put him in position to do that. I mean, we all remember the game that Dallas Tyron Smith was out, and I don't even, it was two different guys, but Adrian Claiborne had like seven sacks. And Adrian yeah. Claiborne's like half of, not even, of what Cameron Jordan is. And right. so it's one of those situations, but Dallas never changed what they did. They just kept – they just acted yeah. like it wouldn't continue to happen. But with Cam Jordan, you can't act like that. You just have to monitor the on a snap-to-snap basis yeah. and give help and slide protection and do all those kinds of things wherever you can. Um, and I think some of it is throwing on early downs. That's, yeah. a, that's honestly one of the biggest things they can do to help Tristan Wirfs is throw on early downs. And not just throwing, John. Throwing quick passes. Quick passes, routes. sure. The Scotty Miller in right. the slot, Chris Godwin, you know, uh, quick slants, something right. like that to get the ball out quickly. Yeah. But even early downs, I mean, I think it's just an, it's an important down to throw in in general. But I, one of the reasons is the pass rushers are not often teeing off. You know, you get a third yeah. and long or third and seven, even third and five in today's NFL. They're teeing yeah. off. They're coming. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and so you need to put him in situations where he can win before the ball snapped a little bit because Cam Jordan's thinking, I'm going to take my run steps, yeah. I'm checking, and then I'm going and give him a little bit more time. And then you have Brady, who's great at avoiding edge pressure and, and getting the ball out quickly, which will help a ton. So I think there's plenty that they can do to help him, where even if you wa- go back and watch the tape and you're like, man, Cam Jordan was way better than Tristan Wirfs, I could still see a way that he wouldn't have a huge impact on the game. But they have they can't just act like, Tristan Wirfs is ready. He had a good camp. He's ready. No, he isn't. Yeah, he's <laughs> he not. just isn't. And Zero so preseason games. Zero NFL experience. And I yeah. think the thing is, if I'm Tristan Wirfs, what I'm doing in the Bucks lunchroom is I'm buying O.J. Howard and Rob Gronkowski like an extra milk or maybe like an extra lunch. <laughs> you know? Just like in high school, right? Like, you, you know, you want to like, hey, we got we get a game tonight. You know, hey, let me buy an extra milk, you know. Right. Uh, I think that's what, they, what he needs to do is, is – is really suck up to to OJ and Rob saying like hey hey you got me right you can help me out on Sunday right right I mean it's part of the game plan it's it's gonna happen but I'm 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 just saying it's like yes you can't sit there and and expect even though he's a first round pick even though you like what you've seen from JPP uh, from his battles with JPP his battles with Anthony Nelson his battles with Shaq Barrett in practice that's one thing mm-hmm. under the lights when the when you're wearing the game uniform not the practice unis. There's not going to be a crowd there, but there'll be noise. There'll be some some uh, loud uh, um, disturbance to, to kind of you know rattle the uh, the offense for sure. But when when the bullets are flying, he's going to need some help, and you really got to pick and choose your times. And if if and we know like uh, that, Bruce likes to use those chunk plays, those deep throws, and and no risk it, no biscuit. You got to do that in max protect. If you want to take a shot deep to Scotty Miller or Justin Watson or Chris Godwin, that's fine. But you got to leave a tight end or a back end to help. You you can't sit there and leave Brady exposed, hanging in that pocket for four seconds, waiting for a receiver to to break free, because uh, Cam Jordan's going to get there before that happens. Mm-hmm. And I feel like we never saw that in training camp either. Brady was never in the pocket for more than four seconds, and when he was, it was almost very surprising. So, like you said. I, I'm not as concerned as I was a week or two ago about Tristan Wirfs because I, they, they are going to slide the tight ends over there and really help him there. And Brady has played with rookie offensive linemen before. So that's really another component of just having Brady is just how much he's going to help 
the team get less sacks just by getting the ball out quickly. Yeah. What I'm interested to see in Tristan Wirfs outside of the pass blocking is how he'll be you. I mean, we know what he's going to do in, in the running game, but from a standpoint of that, the Bucks cannot run the ball as much to the right side of the offensive line as they wanted to because they just couldn't. They got overmatched. Wirfs is a really athletic offensive lineman. We've seen the video of him jumping out of the pool. So I think getting him out, getting him out to the second level, it could help increase the Bucks' run game a little bit more where it's something that we didn't necessarily see last season. Yeah, and I'd say there's definitely some new wrinkles we've seen in practice, some stuff the Bucks were not running last year oh, yeah. with their run game that I think is really going to be – you talk about power run. I haven't seen the Bucks deploy a power run scheme like I have in practice. And, and I really think that, that they have the ability to, to move the line of scrimmage. And I, I, I'm not saying the Bucks are going to be a top-10 running team this year. They're not going to be bottom-10 this year, though, that's for sure. Because I really like what, they, what they've seen or what I've seen from them, what they've showed. And uh, Rob Gronkowski is a difference maker than run game. He is. And um, that's big for them. That's really big because last year when I watched the tape, it was like OJ Howard, Cameron Brait. They just didn't cut it in the run game. It was a big problem. Those guys were, you know, people said, oh, the offensive line wasn't good enough. I mean, there were certainly times where the offensive line could have played better and certain individuals could have played better. But those tight ends were a problem in the run game. They could not block guys. And I talked to yeah. people that know other teams scouting offices and those guys scouted when they scouted the Bucks, they had it in their notes and they had it written down on game days in the coaching booth and stuff that it was like, these guys can't block and that's a yep. problem. And so that, so I think that's uh, one of the things that, that Gronk will bring that won't show up in the box score, but I think will be really impactful. Speaking of block now, can the Buccaneers take advantage of the saints right guard situation? Uh, can, can they, can they penetrate this line? Matt, you brought up a great point. Drew Brees was not sacked last year. The Bucks got one sack. It was a nickel blitz against Taysom Hill. And Teddy Bridgewater wasn't sacked in that first game. And, and really, if you're going to, to beat the Saints, history has shown that you have to apply pressure. You've got to somehow uh, turn Drew Brees from an excellent quarterback to a very good quarterback. You're not going to make him really have a bad day. The Bucs have done that once or twice over the years. But you, you, have to, you have to knock him down a peg or two from excellent to great, to, to maybe very good. If Breeze has a very good day, you can still beat him. If he has an excellent day, you're not going to beat him. So can the Buccaneers do anything up front to take advantage of, of this offensive line? And, uh, and listen, the secondary's got to do their part, right? Because they've got to make Breeze hold the ball. But what can the Bucs do up front from a pass rush standpoint to, to get to him? Is there any matchups that you, that you like out of this, uh, this grouping, you're going to have bookends, right, with JPP and, and Shaq Barrett to start the season. So how can the Bucs crack this Saints offensive line? I think one of the keys for the Bucs is going to be Vita Vea being a much better pass rusher this year. I mean, it, it really is that simple. Like, I think that he's already a good run defender, and I think that there's things that he does just because of how big and massive he is in the run game that are always going to be helpful to you, but you spend a first round pick on a guy because he needs to, and he needs to be an impact pass rusher. It's just the reality. And I liked Vita Vea coming out. I didn't love him. And one of the reasons was I thought that he would be basically what he is at this point. So to be better than what I anticipated and to be worth, I think what the team, what the team spent on him, he needs to start winning matchups like this. He needs to be a force 
Um, I don't think – I think the Saints have the best tackle tandem in the NFL. I think those guys are absolute dynamite. I don't think that Drew Brees is going to be under siege from the edges as good as Barrett and, and, and as good as Barrett and as good as uh, Jason Pierre-Paul are. The, how quick Brees gets the ball out, I just don't think those guys are going to be a huge factor in this game as we've talked about. But a guy like Vita Vea with the matchups he's got, I mean, even Eric McCoy inside, even as good as he is at center last year, you know, that those are guys that you have to win matchups with if you want to win this game. Andres Pete, good player, but again, he's not a great player. And if you were a first round pick, you got to, those are the kind of guys I think that they have to be able to beat if they are going to have success pressuring Breeze in this game, because I don't think it's going to happen. You mentioned Eric McCoy. He's a second year player now. He was, he was a rookie last Mm -hmm. year and made the pro football writers all rookie team. And, uh, you know, it had, had really good success, started all 16 games for the Saints, but not the biggest guy, 6'4", 303. It'd be interesting to see if Vea can win that matchup. And then I, th- I think you're right in the fact that if you're going to pressure Breeze, it's got to be up the middle. And I would look for Devin White to really be deployed with some interior blitzes here. And I think that if Jason Pierre-Paul is going to get to Breeze, it might be as an inside rusher as well. I, I think that if the Bucks are going to have any, any uh, luck, Believe it or not, Anthony Nelson's going to be on the field. You're going to have Anthony Nelson outside with Shaq Barrett, JPP up the middle with Devin White. I think that's how the Bucs can really um, strategically get pressure on Breeze up the middle, uh, kind of riding beat his coattails. Let him, let him create an opening in one of those A-gaps and then attack. Matt, what do you think? Yeah, I agree. I mean, a huge story was Vita Vea working on his pass rushing skills and taking his game to the next level. Scott, you had a, a very notable interview with Warren Sapp where Warren Sapp kind of crushed Vita saying that he's not – essentially him and, and Dominican Sue are not living up to the standards of what a Tampa Bay Buck defensive tackle has to do. I think it really starts and ends with Vita Vea right there. I, I love the idea of Devin White blitzing up the middle and he's got that 4-3 speed. But when quarterbacks like Drew Brees and Tom Brady, they, there's nothing that they haven't seen. You know, they've seen really fast linebackers, so they're going to get that ball out quick. I think it, it's really going to come down to Vita Vea showing that he's going to be a top defensive tackle this season. Not Aaron Donald level, but if he really wants to get in that conversation, there's no better game to uh, make an exclamation point than this one, which will be on national television as well. Yeah, and the thing, too, is, is, is we're talking – you're right. He doesn't have to have 19 sacks, and he's never going to have 19 sacks. I mean, Vita Vea may not even ever hit double digits in terms of sacks. And but, I don't think he has right. to as well. He doesn't have you know, to. Uh, right. Warren's but, opinion is his opinion. Six, which... seven, eight sacks from a nose tackle is, 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 is I think, what, what we should expect from Vita Vea as a first-round pick who has the, the, the quickness off the ball and the power – to uh, you know, to to really apply some pressure, and and I think that that should be the standard. This, the the days of two and a half, three sacks, like all right, Vita, like <laughs> you're you're a first round pick. You need to show it, and you need to do more than just stop the run. And and, and if, if there's sorry, not to cut you off, but if there's yeah. any time he's going to get favorable matchups, one on one matchups, it's this year with Shaq out on the edge and coming off being the leading. Uh, leading NFL sacker in the league. And JPP, yeah. who obviously you have to game plan for and respect his game. There's yeah. no better time for him to get the best opportunities that he's ever been given. Right. So, well, listen, guys, uh, I, th- I think we've done a really good job of breaking this one down. The, the, uh, the breakdowns will continue on pewterreport.com. We've got 
my SR's Fat Five coming out on Friday, and that will have four matchups to watch each week. So uh, you'll have to, to read the Fab to see which matchups I break down for the Bucks and the Saints. We'll also have our pewter predictions, uh, which will come out on Friday afternoon as well, getting you ready for Sunday's game. That'll be after the injury reports, and we'll see if Mike Evans can play. I think, again, if he doesn't practice Thursday or Friday, I don't see him playing, even if he is a game-time decision. Uh, if it goes to that extent, I think that, that the chances that he would re-injure that hamstring are significant. And I would just hold him out of week one because you, you don't want to, to wreck the first month of his season by trying to play him and putting uh, more importance on this game than necessary. This is an important game, don't get me wrong, but you, you get the Saints again in Tampa later in the season. The NFC South is not going to be decided on Sunday in, in New Orleans. Um, but what you don't want to do is, is jeopardize Mike Evans and lose him for four to six weeks with a hamstring injury by, by putting more emphasis on this game than necessary. This is one out of 16 games. And um, so I uh, want to thank everyone for listening to the Pewter Nation podcast. We're going to be back on Sunday night after the Bucks tangle with the New Orleans Saints in the Big Easy in a empty Superdome, and we'll see if the Buccaneers prevail really quickly, guys, uh, and we'll have more analysis in there. But your predictions on Sunday. Uh, Matt, do you think the Bucs win and score the upset and start the season 1-0? I think they get close, but no cigar. It's going to be 30-27 New Orleans wins. John? How about you? 33-30 New Orleans this time. This time. Bucks, I think both teams leave feeling pretty good about the direction of their season, but I think the Saints squeak it out. I think it's going to be a little bit less of, of a shootout. I think it's going to be 27-24 Saints, and uh, I think that the Buccaneers uh, have a chance. I think if you go back and look, even when the Saints have just kind of owned the Buccaneers, it's been close. These games typically are close. So I think. Yeah, I was going to say, I was just looking at that and I saw Drew Brees in his career is 18 and 10 against the Bucs. I would have thought it would have been much more than that, considering (laughs) the Bucs have been pretty poor and the Saints have been pretty good. So, well, there you have it, folks. For Mark and Taylor, for Scott Reynolds and John Ledyard, I'm Matt Matera saying thanks everyone for listening. And we'll catch you next time on the Pewter Nation podcast. Out. Out. Out.